1: Listening to Joko Community Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to No Judgment Here. I am your host, Tish Ross. Tonight, I have a special guest here with me. I have author Paula Peckham. It's so cool to introduce you as an author. How does it feel? Thank you.
0: It feels really good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Paula has joined us this evening. We're going to be chatting a little bit about uh, Paula's beginning to, or her beginnings of Becoming an author, how that happened, and the books that she has had published, those that are out available for us to purchase, and also one that is going to be published sometime soon. And in March, and, uh, in March. Yeah. awesome. So, I, I, as always, I like to always get the background of my guest. For me, it's all about the details, the history. How you were as a child, where you were when you were in high school, how you landed your first major job that you spent many years there, 19 years in, how you maneuvered out of that, and then how you got to where you are today. Because it is so cool to see people that start, in as everybody does, but for me personally, to watch people start in a certain... A journey, a, a portion of their life in a, in a certain job or maybe something that they didn't think they were called to do and they are doing it and then they maneuver out of that and then they're in this, this new season and I always like to say what's next, even for myself, mm-hmm. at my age in my fifties and I think, wow, I'm I'm where I am now and I wonder now what's going to happen next. So thank you so much for coming on and for agreeing to to hop on thank and you. to share your journey with all of us. I am going to be watching the comments as we are interviewing. So if you have questions for Paula or you want to do a little shout out to her show her some love as always, uh, please, please feel free to to hop in and hop on and, and I will answer those or have those questions read to Paula and uh, see if she can help us out a little bit with this thing called being an author and writing books and all that good stuff. So let's start, Paula, share a little bit about how you grew up, what kind of childhood you had, family, upbringing, and and all of that good stuff.
0: Okay, well, I grew up right here in Burleson. I went to school at Fraser Elementary, which is now STEAM. Um, But I was the middle child, and so when my older brother started school, he would come home with books to read when he was learning to read, and he would sit on the couch closest to the lamp, and then my mother would sit next to him to help. Then I would sit next to her and kind of peer over to try to see the pictures. So he would read his book, and as soon as he was through, then it was my turn. <laughs> so I would pick up the book and read it, you know, mm-hmm. repeat it back as well as I could remember it. But <clears throat> from as young as I can remember, like I wanted to be able to read. Mm-hmm. And so finally, it was my turn in first grade. My my first grade math oh not math my first grade teacher was Mrs. Davis at at Fraser, and she taught us how to read. And then in second grade, uh, my teacher was Mrs. Rusk, and she gave us this contest to do. And we were supposed to read as many books as we could. And so we had this little notebook that we had stapled out of that paper with the lines that you practice handwriting on. Mm -hmm. And we would read to our parents, and they would sign off that you read it, and I was going to win that contest. I am 57, so I would have been 7. This is 50 years ago. (laughs) I was going to win. I read so many books, like all, just every night. That's all we did. And Susan Zoden, if you're out there, Susan, (laughs) she beat me. I remember her name. (laughs) I was so disappointed that she read more books than me. But um, anyway, that same year, my mother started working at the Burleson Public Library. They Mm -hmm. opened it back on the old Clarkson, Clark, Clark House, Clarkson House, whichever one it was. But it's over there by... um, all the new fish grill, oh, all yes. that stuff, that house, you mm-hmm. know, um, that's where the library was. And so I just had this open conduit to books. And my so goodness. Every day she would come home, bring me two or three more. I'd read them. She'd take them back. She'd bring back more. And basically my summers were spent laying on the floor in my bedroom, reading books. And I feel like, Gosh, you get so much out of reading. I mean, you're automatically going to improve your vocabulary. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a more empathetic person because you've lived through through these stories with other people. You expand your horizons. You visit things you've never seen. I can remember the first book I read that I did not understand the words, Mm -hmm. and it was 101 Dalmatians, of all things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like that's a big, fancy book, but it's in London. Right. And so there were things that the writer wrote that is completely normal for people that are British Mm -hmm. that I -hmm. I didn't know what the words were like one of them was a bachelor flat they lived in a bachelor flat and I'm thinking something flat like (laughs) what does that mean and they talked about a lift to bring up the food from the lower basement room in their little townhouse and Later, when I was reading Harriet the Spy, I realized, oh, that's a dumb waiter. Like, again, you learn so many things Mm -hmm. when you read, and it's fun. And I am just flabbergasted when people tell me they don't like to read. And it's like, how is that possible (laughs) that you don't like to read? So, I don't know. It's just, I think once you read a zillion books in your life, it's just easier to write them because Mm -hmm. you you kind of have just this innate understanding of what makes it good, mm-hmm. just because you've read so many, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so
1: and so hearing that, and then we're gonna move into how you started right your journey of of writing books when you think after you've read so many books and you think oh, wow okay i I know sort of the format, I know how." when I'm writing a book, how this book is supposed to look. As we were chatting earlier, it's not that easy.
0: (laughs) It's one of those things where you just kind of jump in. It's like, oh, I can do that, sure, you know. And then you realize once you get in it, oh, I don't know anything. (laughs) I'm doing everything wrong. So, for example, the book that will be published in March next year, that was my first novel, just me all by myself, and... um, it took me like seven years to write it because I was, um, mostly writing in the summer. It was um, trying to write while you're a teacher is next to impossible. I mean, you just don't have time. You come home and you still have work to do. And it just, I would try to write during the school year, but it just kind of faded off until summer again. But anyway, seven years into this, um, when I finished my book, it was 145,000 words. And, (laughs) I didn't think anything about that, but then you start, like, reading about what books people will accept at their company, and it should be, like, seventy-five to 85,000 words. So, basically, I had to cut, you know, like a third, a little more than a third of the book. It's like, oops. <laughs> so, you just you realize as you start learning all this new stuff that I don't have this lot of what I'm doing. So, And that's okay. Yeah.
1: And that's okay. So I want to kind of go back a little bit to when you, as you were growing up and you had this, it's like, it's like a kid who loves candy, a kid in a candy store, you have this library uh, that your mom works at and just can read any and all. Did you have any, sort of special or specific genre that you read or favorites?
0: Well, as a kid, kid, like, I loved all the horse books. So um, I can't remember the lady's name now, but she wrote lots and lots of stories about horses. Um, But as a teenager, I started getting into Stephen King and um, loved everything he wrote for quite a long time until finally I just got to where... Oh, this is too scary. I don't want to put this in my life anymore. (laughs) Um, But like Dick Francis writes mystery and so many people don't know who he is. And I just love Dick Francis. Like he's in my top five. Mm. Barbara King, Solver, you know, just all over the place. Um, I used to think I didn't like nonfiction, but every nonfiction book I've read, I've enjoyed. So, Mm. I mean, I I enjoy that science fiction, Dune, you know, that whole series. There's a whole series of Dune (laughs) movies out, you know, it's all good. It's
1: all good. So just. And that's a great writer in terms of, you know, I'm thinking about Stephen King and for, for, for someone to be able to scare someone enough in, in, in their writing to want to close the book and think, no, I, I don't want to read more because I'm scared of um, either what's in the moment or what's to come. And you close the book. But then you love it so much, you're like, okay, got to find out what's yes. going on. You know, the suspense that he <laughs> creates yes. in his book is, that's a great writer. I know. It you is. Know? It is. And we chatted about his bo- um, books, some of his books becoming movies. And I always like to ask people that read a lot. Uh, my daughter is one that would read a lot. And she, uh, there was a movie prior to The Mockingbird, I can't um Oh, gosh. And she was reading a lot of The
0: Hunger Games? Yes.
1: She loved reading the Hunger Games series. And then when she went to the movie, she was like, oh. Mm -hmm. You know, she prefers the book over the movie. Mm -hmm. And so with regards to the Stephen King books, how do you feel about that? Well,
0: I think, you know, so much of what he does is to build up I I called the book that we were talking about that I couldn't finish, but then I couldn't leave alone, Mm -hmm. was The Shining. Mm -hmm. And I used the word dreadful, like it was full of dread. Mm. Like, I just, I can't read this. Something horrible is (laughs) about to happen. But then it's like, what's going on? I have to read it again. (laughs) And so he does such a good job of setting up something that will terrify you, but he doesn't tell you exactly what it is Mm. like your own imagination fills all that in and so that that was another thing I had to learn writing is that I don't have to tell you every single thing Mm -hmm. that you need to think I can trust that you as the reader can either figure it out with subtext clues or you know whatever else is going on or imagine it it Mm -hmm. doesn't I don't have to tell you I mean I this will be a very over-the-top example, but to say, you would write like, I went to my car and I opened the door and I put the key in the ignition and I turned it. And then checking my rearview mirror, I put it in reverse and I back, you know, like you drove to work. I mean, like you don't have you don't, you're going to fill all that in because you know that's what happens, you know. So um, a lot of times beginning writers, myself included, just put way too much like, stage direction in there mm. my book is in it's set in the 1800s and so it's in texas it's like a western and i mean i went over to a friend's house cuz i don't really have guns but he does he has mm-hmm. lots of them and so he let me shoot some i needed to see what it felt like mm. and if you know if it hurts your shoulder and you know all that stuff and um i was like acting out okay which hand is holding what and where is my hand where you know and it's like i don't have to tell you that i can just say She held the rifle across her lap, Mm -hmm. and then you'll you've seen a western movie. You'll peel it in, you know. I don't I don't have to tell you where every finger is, you know. It's like, um, and that takes out a lot of words from that one hundred five thousand words, you know. So you just um, you you have to trust your reader. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a really great segue into what you did for nineteen years so passionately, because I believe that as a teacher, that explaining things is maybe what kind of went into that first, you know, writing, because yeah. I want everybody to understand exactly. everything that's going on. Exactly. And so teaching, but so how did you get into to teaching?
0: Well, first of all, um, for everybody who feels like they're a failure because they don't graduate from college in the four years that you're given to graduate from college. It took me 17 years. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got married young, had babies young, and I was going like two classes and the night per semester. I mean, like two, mm-hmm, two classes mm-hmm. a semester. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it took mm-hmm. a long time. But the, the year that I graduated, like a week after my graduation, I'm exiting the highway to my house and there's this big billboard and it says, want to teach? Call 1 800 Texas Teacher, and I thought, I did want to teach. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to be an English teacher because I loved reading and writing, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's like that will be fun. So I called the principal at Burleson High School. At the time, there was still only one, and um, the principal was Mr. Crummel, who had been my band director when I was in school. and. I made first chair my mm-hmm. freshman year and stayed it up until like the last semester of senior year. Wow. Right? So he knew like I'm yes. a good I, I'm good at my job, I'll work hard, I'll be a perfection you know, like he knew he could trust me, right? Mm-hmm. So basically my job interview I had taken off work to go to the doctor, was on my way home stopped in at a Taco Bell and called him from the parking lot. Hey, Mr. Crummel, I was thinking about being a teacher. If I wanted to do that, would you have a job for me? And he said, well, it depends. What do you want to teach? I said, well, it would either be English or math, because I was good at math too. And he said, well, I can definitely give you a job if you're a math teacher. And it's like, okay. So basically that was my job interview. I went back to school to get certified, turned right around and went back to UTA to get certified. And um, they gave me an emergency certification. So I started teaching that Mm -hmm. fall and um I did it for nineteen years and I taught math. So people say you're a math teacher, but you write and it's like well the writing was first, you know, it was there, the Mm -hmm. reading, you know, and so and it just stayed there the whole time. So yeah, you can do both. They're not exclusive. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) right. And so and you taught you were a teacher at Burleson High School for nineteen years. Nineteen years. Yeah. And so during that time, obviously, you were passionate about teaching, and, and, and obviously, I mean, because you were there for 19 years, mm-hmm. and then you maneuvered out of that season. How did that come about?
0: Well, it was just kind of a gradual thing. I mean, um, the, the fact of the matter is, education in the United States is built on unpaid work by teachers, mm-hmm. they work weekends, they work nights. They grade papers, sitting, watching, a movie. you know, it's just like there's no way to get it all done. There's just no way. And they just keep putting more on the plate, you know, the state tests and gosh, I'm so glad I was out of it by the time COVID hit. I mean, Mm. they were, okay, tomorrow you have to learn how to be a teacher on a Zoom call that no one knows how to use. I mean, it, it was just... And then the next year after that, it was hybrid. You have kids in your room. I mean, like, yes. I was just so glad I wasn't there. But um, I loved, I loved being a teacher. Mm-hmm. I loved helping my kids understand math and, you know, hearing those aha moments. And if a student would ever say, I used to hate math, but, you know, hey, this isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, oh, okay. yes, You know, like, yes. I really feel like. God put me on this earth to be a teacher. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But finally it just got to the point. Like one night my husband said, you are mad every day Mm -hmm. when you come home. And it was like blinders peeled away from my eyes. And it's like, you're right. I am. And that's not fair to those kids. Mm -hmm. They need one of these young new teachers coming in who hasn't figured out what's coming yet <laughs> you know to be nice and cheerful and you know not be so cynical and right and so I just decided it was time to go sure
1: sure it was your time yeah. it was time yeah. that season was over and so then from that gosh obviously your love for reading and how did you decide just one day to you know I think I'm gonna write a
0: book well I had I had been writing it so the first book hmm. <coughs> excuse me um the one that took seven years to finish yes. and it was 145,000 words too long. <laughs> so, um, it it had been coming. You know, it had been in fits and starts. You know, mostly during the summer because you just don't have time. Right. But when I left, I decided, all right, this is it. I'm I'm gonna figure this out. And so I got on Twitter and um, just started following like authors and people who were talking about writing and you know there's little hashtag writing community hashtag whatever Mm. and um god from there there was just this little god chain of events that happened and um i ended up in san antonio this was like right when school started is when i started doing this Mm -hmm. um by september two months um i'm in san antonio at an acfw conference american christian fiction writers um it's like You go to a class for an hour, and then you switch, and you go to another class Mm -hmm. for an hour, you know, and you hear other authors or agents or publishers, they speak. And that's when I realized, like, I'm doing it all wrong, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But um, you just learn. You learn and learn and learn. And so then I learned there is an ACFW group, and it says it's DFW, and it's like, man, I'm going to have to drive to freaking Dallas every (laughs) month, but I'll do it. But it turns out they're in Arlington. It's oh, like, nice. Oh, that's not a problem. And so um, started going to that every month, met a lot of authors, uh, got involved with that, um, got involved in a critique group, and they very gently, the first time, oh, that was nerve-wracking. You show up with your pages, you pass them out to everyone, and then you read it <laughs> out loud. And it's like, what if it's awful? What if they hate it? You know. And then they tell you everything that's wrong with it. <laughs> And so you have to get a thick skin, but I just kept telling myself, they're teaching me and I'm learning. And so I don't care what you tell me. Tell me, tell me what I need to do differently, you know, so I can be better. And so, um, you know, that's invaluable. If you ever want to write a book, you've got to find a critique group that you Mm. can be a part of because they will have already learned those things and they can point out what you're doing. Wonderful. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, from there I was able to finish the book and, um, then begins the long journey of deciding do you want to self-publish the book or you want to try to go traditional route and mm. you know like put a book in Barnes and Noble store you know mm. i mean it's it's a uh, another thing you learn is that there are just a lot of gatekeepers mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. you Putting all this on paper and having a book in your hand sometime down the road.
1: Do you see a benefit from all of these gatekeepers, or I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm just well, thinking in terms of someone who is thinking about. And I so appreciate you sharing this because people that are thinking about writing a book, you know, it gives them a little bit knowledge of possibly what route they want to go Mm -hmm, but do you mm -hmm. see a benefit in all of the gatekeepers or
0: well yes and no um lots of people think they can write and i mean i guess anybody can write but whether or not you can write well is the question and so when you submit it's like a cold call you just you just Thankfully, now we have email. You don't have to mail your box to somebody; mm-hmm. right. cost ten dollars to mail it and have them throw in the trash, you know. But um, you email something to an agent or somebody at a publishing house, and they'll they'll know in the first two or three paragraphs whether this is good writing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so um, the problem is, they might get ten or fifteen of those a day, or more even. I don't even know, but like. It takes a long time to read and yes. decide if you like this or not. And so um, if if it's not great, like right off the bat, like even your first sentence, that might be, you know, where they stop. Mm. I mean, it's just like, oh, you know, it's just so hard. Um, but if they don't think it's good, they, they don't really give you a big explanation about why they just send you if they send you a rejection letter that you may just never hear from them again, wow. you know, wow. um, and it's usually just kind of a generic, Oh, thank you, but this doesn't really fit what we're looking for. You mm-hmm. know, if mm-hmm. anybody ever gives you any critique, like even if it breaks your heart that they didn't like, at least they're telling yes. you something, yes. you know, and you just hardly even get that. Right. Um, so the gatekeepers are there, I guess, to weed out the, Oh, yeah, I can write a book, you know, when, like, well, first of all, learn how to spell, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that, cause yes. there's not somebody waiting to fix it for you at the right. end, you know, you right. should turn in something that's really polished and good. Um, but the, uh, the other side of that is if you self-publish, and there is nobody to do that for you, then you're going to self-publish a really bad book like Mm -hmm. you need you need all those people in between you writing it and it you know going live somewhere um but that's what your critique group can help with and usually if you're in a in a um writing club like mine's a christian writing club but like there's Carrollton league of writers Mm -hmm. there's something called dallas dog dallas area writing group i mean they're everywhere you know they're all there to help and so a lot of times people will um beta read your book or proof read your book mm-hmm. or, you know, for a smaller fee than just like a professional, maybe they'll edit it for you. And, um, but you always need someone to look at it beside you because what sounds perfect in your head doesn't always come out that way. And, you know, someone has to say, what, what are you saying here? You know? Yes. To yes. I help you see that.
1: Absolutely. And so what do you think about, self-publishing I mean what actually what route did you go do you have a publisher do you have an agent you had mentioned when we were Mm -hmm. chatting earlier that people need an agent and why would they why
0: well you can get by without one but if you have one the agents know the publishing houses so like they can read your book and say "Ooh, so and so over here will love this but we're not going to bother them they don't like this kind you know Mm -hmm. so they know that if if they've been around a while Um, they might have some good ideas for you about how to, um, kind of publicize or here's a good way to do a launch party. Here's a good idea. One of my clients did before, blah, 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 but they're going to take a cut of your money, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, you might, they might get you a better contract, like maybe the standard contract from your publisher offers, you know, so much of a percentage being paid to you and they might go back and talk them up to something higher. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, You can do it without it. I mean, you can. And so uh, what I've ended up doing, oh, are we running out
1: of time? We are going to go to commercial break, and then we're going to come back, and I want to hear the rest of Paula's story. We also want to get into her books and where we can find them. You guys come back. We'll be back in just a little bit. Wilfred Brimley for loafing dog. Hi, I'm Wilfred Brimley for loafing dog. You know when I get the hankering for a hot dog, I go to flavor Texas. Just a couple blocks off the square, they got loafing dog. They got the Neely dog, the Mary Sunshine dog, the Casey dog, and the Shirley dog. while they even got the Pacer dog, the Brooklyn dog, and the gym dog. Can't forget the Shane dog or the joy dog and the money dog I like that fool the Nakia dog and the Braxton dog round things off why they even got a kid's menu too Loafing dog 208 East Chambers Street Cleburne, Texas lunch, catering or takeout plus outdoor seating phone numbers 817-556-1040 this is Wilford Brimley don't forget, nothing dog won't give you diabetes. Hey, there's something you forgot to do. Hmm, it sure is hot. Are you sweating like a dog? Wait, what? Dogs don't sweat? Oh, no, you forgot to get your window tinted. Whether it's the kitchen window that sits in the sun for the hottest part of the day, or you just got new wheels, call Sharp Window Tinting in Burleson. 817-615-9379 or look them up on the web, sharpwindowtint.com. The voice of Johnson County, Joko Community Radio. Welcome back to the second half of the show here on JoCo Community Radio. We are the voice of Johnson County, Texas, and live 365 days a year on the TuneIn Radio Network. To listen, simply go to TuneInJoko.com where you can download the free app or listen live right there. We're also streaming simultaneously on spreaker.com with select shows like this one streaming to Facebook. All of our shows can also be found on any one of your favorite podcast platforms such as Spotify and iTunes. We are also on YouTube now. Check out our lineup on Radio.com. Thanks for tuning in. This episode and more brought to you by Next Level Claims making your insurance work for you. Thank you Next Level Claims for supporting us here on Joko Community Radio. We are back with author Paula Peckham and we want to go back into as we were talking about publishers, self-publishing, having agents, and things like that, and Polly, you were talking about how agents will take a percentage of how much your book or how often your book sells. Is that correct? Well, or okay, correct me. So
0: they okay. If you go traditional, if that's the route you end up going, <clears throat> they will. Pay, if it's a big company mm-hmm. like Simon and Schuster or Penguin or um, in Christian World Zondervan is a big one. Yes, um, they will pay you in advance. If you're not famous, then you know your advance might be you know four or five thousand dollars. I don't know. I've never had one. So, but I know that they don't start out big. Mm-hmm. Um, then your book has to sell enough copies over the next whatever. For them to make that money back, mm-hmm. and if they do make that money back, then now you start getting a small portion of each sale past that. Mm-hmm. Um, these are now your royalties, and um, in a pub, in a traditional publishing company, you're gonna make like eight. Percent a mm. book, or something. I mean, it's like tiny, mm. tiny. Because mm-hmm. you got this big, gigantic advance. <laughs> yes. Whatever. If you're Stephen King, you get a big, gigantic advance. I don't know if anybody else does. Um, but um, if you have an agent, then they're getting their cut out of that too. Now, the nice thing about the agent is that they don't get paid unless you do. So they are really working mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to do everything they can to make you successful. Because if you're successful, then they get money from what you get. Right, you know? right. So right. they're not there to rob you. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to help. Um, but if you go um, to a smaller publishing house, like this is like what I have for my book coming out in March. The company is Elk Lake Publishing. And so they do not pay in advance. Um, but I get a much bigger chunk of the percentage. Mm. So um, when I do get paid for books, like it's significantly more than what a traditional route would pay. And they give me an editor. So if they accept my manuscript, they sign me up with an editor. We work together for two or three months, and then that gets turned back into the editor-in-chief. They give me um, a designer, a graphic mm. designer, to make the book cover, which was like the biggest thing I was worried about. Because right off the bat, you can tell if a book has been, I mean, like, if it's an amateur cover, you know, it's like, oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not skilled that way. Mm -hmm, I don't know how mm -hmm. to do, you know, Photoshopping and, like, I can't even picture the color scheme. I mean, Mm -hmm, none of it. I just, that mm -hmm. my brain doesn't work that way. So when I was thinking of doing all of this on my own, I was really, really scared of the book cover part. Mm-hmm. And you can pay somebody to do that. But um, if you have to pay them, you know, four or $500, well, it's going to take you a long time to make $400. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, here, this is my, na- how do you say, naivete?
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm.
0: I have, what, 1,800 Facebook friends, and it's like, <laughs> I'll just post on Facebook <laughs> that I've written a book, and I'll have 1,800 book sales in the first week, and that is not how it works. <laughs> maybe, maybe 18, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's just a lot of work. You just got to yes. get out and hustle for everything, right? So um, anyway, if you can get the any publishing company, small or large, to, they can take care of a lot of that for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that at least takes that off your plate. But if you just get tired of waiting, you get tired of the rejections, you get tired of nobody seeming to... Feel like your book fits any little niche they have, mm-hmm. you know, um, then you can self-publish, and anybody anybody can self-publish. You just put it in a formatted form that works on Amazon, and you upload it. And then a couple of hours later, they say, okay, it's live. And then somebody lo- goes online and says, hey, that looks good. I'll buy it. And then they print it and mail it to them. You know, like there's no big inventory anywhere. You don't have to buy. 500 copies that are going to sit in your garage, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just none of that happens. So it's nice that that's available. That's true. You know, Mm -hmm. and gosh, during the pandemic, when everybody was locked at home, like book sales went through the roof. And Mm. so, you know, and that was a good time for authors, you would have expected maybe everything has to shut down because everybody's home, but it was perfect,
1: you Mm -hmm. know, right.
0: But um, if you do the traditional route, they're going to send the company will send a big old box of books to Barnes and Noble and they put it on their shelf. And within 30 days, if it's not selling the way they feel like is good for them, they ship them all right back. And now you, you, the author have to like buy back those books. And so it's just, there's a lot of pressure, Wow. you know, to be perfect. Yes. And um, if you self-publish, you're in charge of all of that. So there, you know, take your pick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what type of books do you write?
0: Well, I decided, I decided when I finally got down to like, I'm going to do this, that I would write Christian fiction. And um, part of that came from the the little, at that time, the little Christian fiction that I had read for myself. I I liked it because it kind of inspired me of oh what a great prayer that was he said Mm -hmm. or oh she responded in such a great way when that tragedy happened. But on the other hand of that it kinda made me feel bad about myself. It's like, well, that's not the way I react. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that. (laughs) Right. Like it takes me forever to think maybe I should pray, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean like and so I just wondered You know, a lot of times Christianity is really good at putting a mask on things. Yes. So that to the outside world, like, oh, be a Christian. We're all perfect. You know, and like you just don't see that we're just as regular as everybody else in the world. And we make just as many mistakes and we're mean Mm -hmm. and we lie. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, it's no different. Right. Um, And so I just thought. If I could write my stories so that my characters do mess up, they're real people, they have real struggles, you know, they mess up. But I think the difference, at least for me as a Christian, is when my life is not going perfectly, I have hope. Mm-hmm. I have hope in God, I have hope in what the Bible teaches us about how things will work out. And I remember reading somebody, I wish I could remember who I heard this quote from, because I've thought it so many times since then. But it said, um, everything will work out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end yet. I love that. You know, so it's just like, just hang on. Yes. Just hang on. Yes. And so um, in my stories, the people are Christian, but it's not like in your face preachy. It's just like they think a prayer when they're... Oh, God, please keep him safe, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's no, like, quoting of verses. Like, they might have a verse running through their mind, like, you know, I can do all things for Christ, I can do all things. You know, like you write right. it so that they're, they're worried or scared. Um, but they don't, um, they're not perfect. And so finally, finally in the story, they'll trust God or they'll turn to God and hopefully the message, therefore, whether it's a Christian or a non-Christian reading the book, is that God's always there waiting. You know, right. like, that's that's the part for me that gives me hope. Like, I can mess up as many times as I do, and he doesn't leave me. So um, I just wanted my stories to show that, that people aren't perfect. Right. God loves them anyway. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And and I love that. And like we were chatting earlier, you know, because we do know who God is and God is love and God is hope and God is forgiveness and trust. And we, and and we as Christians are so broken and so like everybody else, we're normal people, just regular people. I mean, and we, and for me, I always look at or talk to someone and who maybe is not a believer or maybe doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. And I want them to have what I know, what I have. You know, I want you to know the Lord. And so in marketing these books that are written with normal people, normal Christians, like you said, we lie, we screw up, we make mistakes. where normal people like everybody else. How do you, how, how do you hope to market this book to those?
0: Well, I did a little bit of research when I first, when I knew I was getting close to being ready. Like I'm, I'm either going to get a contract or I'm going to self-publish. I'm I'm almost there. So like, what do I want to do? Um, and I bought a book from, um, a writer that's pretty popular in the christian genre fiction world um and i I always like to read the uh, amazon reviews when Mm -hmm. i'm buying i mean i won't buy any book if i haven't read the reviews because i don't have enough time in my life to waste it on a bad book like i'm not absolutely (laughs) you know um, it's not good it's gone yes Um, so she's she's a bestseller i mean like she's Really, really, really well known, but there were people who left reviews that were like one stars, mm-hmm. and they were so mad because it was Christian. It was a Christian. This book is nothing but proselytizing. This is, mm. and it's like okay, lesson number one: don't even think you can trick them. Like, right? Like they're not going to notice that you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like first of all, let's just be upfront <laughs> that it is. There's God in this book. You know. Um, And if they are intrigued enough about the story, maybe they'll read it anyway, even if they're not a Christian. And if they are, then they're going to see what they expect to see. Sure. Um, But I think uh, just trying to tell the story. Just trying to, you know, any way you can that you can share. And there's so much social media now. You can... Absolutely. Find a little way here and there to, like, slip it in. And I don't ever want to, like eat anything you know beat people over the head with it but um i just want people to know it's there and see if they are interested yeah
1: for sure so tell me about the the two books that i see here that you've written and maybe a little bit about them
0: okay so you know how everything just always kind of has happens at once both of these books are anthologies which i did not even realize was a thing Mm. i mean i know you you have an anthology when you're in college like it's all the short stories that are supposed to be so famous and never make any sense (laughs) yes but um but and people people write christmas anthologies like Mm. i didn't know that i never bought one Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but it's like but now that i know they're there and i'm like researching to see well how did they describe their book? And they're, like, everywhere. So ev- evidently people like Christmas anthologies. So um, one author through ACFW had posted, you know, to everybody, like, hey, I want to do a Christmas anthology. Does anyone want to join me and, you know, contribute books? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, um this will be a good way to say I'm published, you know, so if I'm trying to get an agent or if I'm knocking at the door to a publisher, I can say, well, I, I have published a book, you know. Yes. So, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And then um, within two weeks, this critique group that I'm in on Sunday nights, um, they, they only had three stories. It's like three novellas. Mm-hmm. And their third person had um, just bowed out. Like she's, she was writing her thesis. She was trying to get her master's degree. Mm-hmm. and She just could not do it. Sure. So, like, would you would you be interested to fill in for her spot? So, um, the book I wrote is all it's like set in eighteen sixty. It's Texas, wagon trains, cowboys. Well, my part of this one was is called the Texas Heirloom Ornament. Was going to be contemporary. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I don't know. I, I get yeah, I can do that. Sure. Well, as it turns out, it was the easiest one I've ever done because my character was a teacher. I <laughs> mean, just open my diary. <laughs> you know? But but one thing I realized is like, wow, you don't have to like stop and Google like every freaking thing you write down because it's like, did they use that word back then? What would they call the driveway? It's not a car. Do they call it a driveway? Like, and you yes. just get sucked into these holes of research to see if. You can write what you're writing, you know. But Mm -hmm. um, So the one with the three of us is uh, three Texas women who is like a generational story. And so Mm -hmm. um, they're hooked together through this ornament that the first woman had in her story. And then she's like the grandmother of the character in the second story. And then she's the grandmother in the character of the last story. So it's like 30 to 40 years apart from each other. So they're connected through that family family line and um it just has a faint little hint of like feminism in it like the first stories in the 1920s and women have just got the right to mm-hmm. vote mm-hmm. and so her she's like gonna run for congress and then the next one is in 1970s and women aren't managers and women you know they're the secretaries but her boss wants her to apply for this job that's a like a manager job mm-hmm. so the men in the office are trying to sabotage her because they wanted the job <laughs> and then mine is um current time but um she's a coach and there's kind of a good old boy network going with coaches not it's not bad you know but enough that You you know it's there okay so but each of those just had a little thread so you learn that the women are strong and independent and confident Mm -hmm. you know and so if you like those kind of women you'll enjoy the book you know I love it fighting for them you know yes the other one there ended up being nine stories in it it's a pretty big story it's a pretty big book Uh, there's five authors and so everyone pitched in either two things, either a novella and a short story or two novellas, And mm-hmm. um, except one person just did, like, a little introductory short story. But um, we, we titled that one Christmas Left Through the Ages because it starts, like, mine is the first one. It's in 1860. So it's actually... The characters from my book that comes out in March, Oh only my it's goodness. like three years later. So I just picked right up where I left off and wrote them another story. Oh, I love um, it. But then it moves all the way up until contemporary time. Uh-huh. You know? mm-hmm. So there's just, we tried to space it out about every 20 years or so. Um, and the writers, the authors are like from all over the place. So um, two of them are, I forget, I think they're like in Idaho or something. Somewhere Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere where it gets cold, <laughs> and then the rest of us are in Texas, you mm-hmm. know. So you get a big variety of writing with that one, and and they were all a lot of fun too. So um,
1: my goodness. So where can we purchase the Texas Heirloom Ornament and or the Christmas Love throughout the ages?
0: They're both available on Amazon. <clears throat> you can type in. My name will pull up both, um, mm-hmm. or the title will pull up both, and um, it's just a print-on-demand. When you self-publish, mm-hmm. you know it just you order it and they send it somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> and it spits out a book. I don't know exactly how that works, um, but it comes in the mail like a week later. I mean, it's fantastic.
1: Wow, yeah. I love it, and the covers are beautiful on on these books. And I think I, I had posted a Picture of both of the, the books in the promo of the show, but I will put in the comments the books and where you can purchase them. And the next book, what do you have the title for the book that you are yeah. that's coming out in March?
0: Yeah, so that one uh, is called Protected, and so it's, it's the main characters, it, they're romance, it's all romance, but it'll be a series, so each oh, character okay. in the story. Hopefully, we'll get their own book. Uh, some of them, I've got them, like, right here, I'm ready. And some of them are like, I don't know what you're talking about yet. Yeah, you haven't spoken. I haven't decided. <laughs> but, but I've got at least four, like, ready to go. Um, but they they just require so much research. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, one of them is going to... Did you know that Texas had an underground railroad for slaves? Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. They
0: helped them escape to Mexico. And so that's going to be um, part of... The second book coming up so i'm finished with protected it's it's in the works but the second one is one of the characters from the first book and um yeah so i've got to do i want to get that right i want to get all the details right i want to get the feeling of it right like i don't want it to come across as like white savior story you know i want it want it to be um an authentic relationship story um But that's going to be one, and
1: nice. Yeah,
0: and then one of them will be um, a Texas Ranger, and um, of course we in Texas think our Texas Rangers were just heroes. But really, if you read some of the books out there, one of them that I've been reading for my research is called "A Cult of Glory." Mm. Um, they were not a hero. Not so nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that one will have that little under pinning Mm -hmm, in it mm -hmm. and um and in that one there will be a girl who was um kidnapped by comanches Mm -hmm. and i read a lot of books written by people who had been quote rescued and brought back home to kind of prepare myself for that and um they don't they don't want to come home they like being they yeah i love it oh it's amazing it's such good stories i mean it's so much fun where do you get
1: your inspirations like where do you, what inspires you?
0: Well, I think the first one, okay, so when I wrote Protected, um, I just took everything that had been my favorite about books that I liked, like, so there's a little flavor of Phantom of the Opera, Mm. there is um, a little flavor of there's a John Wayne movie called the Cowboys Mm -hmm. where all the men have run off to California to search for gold. And there is nobody left to be a cowboy, but he needs to take his herd to Kansas or wherever. So he gets boys, little boys. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're doing it like they're doing it on their own. Um, and so at the very, very, this isn't like giving a spoiler. The very beginning of the book, um, they're in a wagon train coming to San Antonio, and cholera has struck the wagon train. And a lot of them die, mm-hmm. but all of the adults end up dying. So their, their children left to go, wow. like, where are we? Yes. <laughs> so we're in the middle of a prairie. I don't know what to do. You know, so, um, so the main characters there are the oldest girl in the wagon train and then the cowboy that's coming home, kind of meets them on the plane and helps them, you know. So, um, so the f- the original thought of it was like, how? First of all, I want to write it as a love story that can be a true life, real person story, not a
1: perfectly f- yes. nice Christian yes. story, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Um, and how can I throw in all the best parts of every book I've ever loved? <laughs> so it was kind of hodgepodgey there for a while. <laughs> it, it sorts itself out as you start writing. Um, and then from them, the rest of them will, you know, of the course they make it to San Antonio. And, and that's, you know, it will all take off from there. But uh, Wow. I so love it. It could keep me busy for you know, like the next eight years. (laughs) We'll see. And I love
1: the excitement, um, that you have as you're speaking about, uh, the next book and this character is going to have this book. I mean, you can just see it in your, in your eyes. And so what I love about that and the reason why I share that is because it's a passion that you can Mm -hmm. see. And when you see somebody that's passionate about something, then, you know, the book's, have got to be good, you know, and then if, when you, when you take as much time as you have, we have a few minutes, um, to do the research mm-hmm. that to just speaks, no pun intended, volumes <laughs> um, in the work that you put into your books. And so I know that I am super excited to get my hands on these books. My husband is a, is a Western, um, watching fella and, and reads, Book those books as well, and uh, I know that he. I'm sure that he'll be looking forward to to reading your book, uh, Protected. He actually had a comment here, and he said, "We need more teachers like you within our school systems. Enjoy your retirement, but always instill into our youth, which is what it sounds like, even through your books. You know, just so much imagination, uh, so much uh, facts." but also a fiction book, uh, real people, real Christians that struggle with the real problems of the world. And uh, I love that. I'm super excited to read your books and especially the ones coming out in March now.
0: I know. I'm excited (laughs) for it too. And you know, it's like when I first, every time somebody would edit or help me and I would be like, "Uh, really, I have to do that. But then I would go fix it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You know, and I like, so I still do get to be a teacher in that way, because in the critique groups I'm in, I'm in more than one, Um, especially if it's a young person, but if it's a young writer, like Mm -hmm. they may not be young in years, but like first time, like to just explain, let me show you why this is wrong. Let Mm -hmm. me show you how you can make this better. Let Mm -hmm. me show you how this will be more seamless and more interesting, you know, and mm-hmm. to be able to say to someone, this is why that's wrong, instead of like, well, that doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how, tell me what, I mean, like, yes. you need to understand. You Absolutely,
1: know? so we can go and fix it, yeah, you yeah. know, as mm-hmm. opposed to that's terrible, you know. yeah. So, oh my goodness, I am so glad that you came on tonight. You have shared so much, and I know that with people that are, even maybe just thinking of the the idea of I wonder if maybe I could write a book, um you've shared so much knowledge in in what that entails, and you've also shared so much about how amazing these books are going to be and and how we can't wait to get our our hands on them, especially here they are around the Christmas season to be yeah. such a great gift and so again the the titles of the book and I'll put the these in the comments Texas heirloom Ornament, and the other book is Christmas Love, Thought. Through the I'm sorry, Christmas Love Through the Ages, and they're available on Amazon. You can order those and have them printed right out to you. And we are are so blessed that we have someone who is writing the real good stuff. So thank you so much, Paula Peckham, for coming on. Absolutely. And you guys share this podcast with your friends and family, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Y'all have a good night. From Burleson to Venus and Grandview to Godley, this is the voice of Johnson County, JoCo Community Radio. From Burleson to Venus and Grandview to Godley, this is the voice of Johnson County, JoCo Community Radio.